Remember that feeling at the end of school? The summer was ahead of you and you felt so free. Free of responsibilities, full of possibilities. For some of us, summer meant going to sleepaway camp or going to camp at all. Going to camp meant meaningful experiences, exploration, self-reflection, and fun. Maybe you never got to go to camp. But since it's never too late to have a happy childhood, we're all going to camp this summer. Warrior Women Camp is a 12-day audio experience where you get to relive the magic of going to summer camp. You'll get to explore, reconnect with yourself, and have fun. Are you burnt out? Exhausted? Need a break? Get your magic back. Come to Warrior Women Camp. Sign up with the link in my bio. Let's go. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. We are talking today about women, life, freedom. The Kurdish slogan following the death of Masa Amini. It was first used by members of the Kurdish women's movement in activism and response to persecution from the Iranian government. Today, my guest is revealing her documentary of the same name and her amazing story of being an Americanized teenager living in Brooklyn who was brought back to live in Tehran at the age of 16. This culture shock ignited a revolution inside her to actively expose injustices in her home country. I love a warrior woman who takes the very thing that is holding her back and uses it as an anthem for change, as a beacon of hope for the world. That's what my guest today is actively doing. Well, let's get into it. But first, I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program once a week on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Welcome back, everybody. Today on the podcast, Poppy Farsajani. She is a journalist, an author, a documentarian, and a motivational speaker. Born in Tehran, she was raised in Brooklyn and returned to Tehran as a teenager, only to move back to New York City as an adult. Through her difficult life as a westernized teenager and female reporter in the Middle East, shared in her memoir, Shaming Red Lips, she now empowers people across the country to heal the social and gender divide. Her sport-focused documentary, Women, Life, Freedom, 
reveals the extent of athlete abuse and human rights violations committed by the Islamic regime. Abuse and torture that sometimes happened right before the athletes, especially female athletes, stepped on to national championship matches and stages. The documentary reveals challenges that force athletes to leave their own home country and live in exile. Women Life Freedom has become a movement and Poppy is at the forefront. Welcome to the show, Poppy. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. All right, Poppy, let's go back to the beginning or sort of the beginning. So you have this best-selling book, Shaming Red Lips, and you chronicle your life as an American, Iranian, rebellious teenager living the carefree life in Brooklyn, on track to go to college and become a journalist. But then suddenly your father decides you're becoming too quote unquote white and westernized and relocates your family in Tehran. Tell me, Poppy, what was that like for you? You were you were basically the most Americanized teenager ever. And suddenly you went yeah. back to Tehran. Tell me, what, what was that? What happened? What was that like? It was a major shock. It was so much of a shock that at the beginning, I didn't even realize that I was in that coma phase, so to say, right? And then slowly things started to melt in, as in, oh my God, I... I I can't go to dance class. Oh my God, I can't go bike riding. Cause you know, in Brooklyn, we used to always go with the guys bike riding on the block or I, I, I have to play tennis like inside the stadium. And if God forbid I come out and I'm wearing my skorts and my top, that that is forbidden period. So it started to slowly sink in. Plus I was a developing young woman because I was 16 when I went back. So I'm developing, you know, by 18, 19, you're trying to go out on your first date, maybe, or maybe like 16, 17, actually, you know, you, you, and that stuff is completely forbidden in Iran. So I'm trying to figure out how to make sense of all this that's happening, plus the parent issue, you know, I'm trying to not be mad at them for bringing me back to this country. And also I'm, you know, I'm maturing. So, you know, the normal teenager fights were happening all the time. Plus I'm very outspoken and you can't really tell me what to do. I have to choose what I want to do. So all that stuff, it was a big hit. It was a big shock. I imagine you would be torn, right? Like on, on, some level you're like, my parents are saying this is what's best for me, but you're a damn teenager. So you're like, what about my friends and my life and my teenage awesomeness, right? Like, I'm sure you were living a life of like new kids on the block or whatever was the popular, I, probably not new kids, you're probably too young for that. But like you were like into your teenage stuff, music and all this stuff. How did your actual life in terms of like being a teenager change? Like, where, did you have, did you have friends there or were you starting, completely starting over? I didn't even know how to speak the language like they did. Like I spoke the language as so I spoke like a kindergarten girl speaks a language and the culture. I did not understand anything regarding the culture. Like, you know, in Iran, there's, uh, you know, when the teacher walks in, everybody gets up in class. Like in Brooklyn, when the teacher walks in, you're like finding your pen and, you know, just sitting and waiting for the class to start. So as a sign of respect, when the teacher walks in, everybody has to stand up. And I was the only one sitting down. It was just like minding my business. So, so I had to adapt to the culture. I had to understand to the, to the language, to the way people operated outside of school. You know, it, it was like morning to three o'clock. It was school. And then 
how do, what do people do? Okay. So you can't bike ride. I can't go to my dance class. Um, so what do you do? Like, do I have to, and then like a course materials in the class, one was like knitting, one was like cleaning, how to clean like some cloths. And I'm like, I don't want to knit. And so I realized that girls don't really have a lot you know, after school to open up their minds other than learning how to, you know, it was the basic stuff that a housewife might do at home, which is fine, but it was just not my cup of tea. Like I didn't want to know how to knit or how to get the blood stain off of a silk cloth, uh, you know, all that stuff. I was like, this is like, this is so boring and mundane. And I did not have any friends. Everybody wanted to become friends with me because they saw me as this American, really cool teenager, but I couldn't even communicate with the girls there because I was so off on the language and I was so off regarding the culture. And I think a couple of my cousins, they were trying to help me, but I didn't even, you know, I didn't even connect with them. I was like, I want to, you know, keep the faith and Bon Jovi on my walls and then, you know, Madonna into the groove on that wall. And then, uh, you know, uh, new kids had come out too. You know, you were right on that one, NKOTB. And I remember like, um, yeah, there was like all that, all that stuff were on my walls. And it wasn't like I was watching cartoons at that time, but I I remember it was like Saved by the Bell and um, all that stuff that I was watching. And Iranian television had like four channels. And the first one was news. The second one was Islamic news. And the third one was knitting. And the fourth one was like cooking. It was a whole vibe that I I couldn't make sense out of. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of news, you ended up being a reporter and an anchor for Iran state news. (laughs) What, What was that like? That was another shock. So we're talking shocks, just keep on adding layers. So I was very fortunate, I must say, that I uh, I started teaching English because I spoke fluent English because I was from here in a language institute. And one of the teachers came in and said, hey, Farsi Johnny, do you know that Channel 6 is looking for a new uh, reporter news anchor? Why don't you go and test it out? I think you got you have what it takes. And so I honestly, I went there so I wouldn't have to go home because there was nothing to do in this country. So I went there as like a to-do thing on my list. And I went and one thing led to the other. And within a week, I actually was hired as, you know, the sport journalist there. And I slowly progressed to becoming an anchor. But this is the English section, obviously, because my Farsi still was on crutches. And uh, (laughs) it was challenging. That whole, it's state-run TV. It's state-run TV. I'm the New Yorker. I'm the, I'm I'm completely Brooklynized, and I'm on state-run TV where they're constantly telling you what to do in your air. They're telling you who you're supposed to be outside, who you're supposed to worship, what your religion should be, um, and it, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, you're a professional now. You're supposed to be on time. You're supposed to, you know, have everything together. You're supposed to be a leader at work as much as you know, following every, be a team player. It was more about make sure that your burqa is here and make sure you're not wearing nail polish and make sure that you do not have a boyfriend because that is not the way of life here for a girl like you. And anyway, so just shock, shock, shock. It was like shock, strike one, shock, strike two, shock, strike three. And the fourth one, I was fired. <laughs> yeah. So you got fired. So you, you got fired from this job. After two years, yes. Okay, so why did they fire you? Because you were just, you finally cracked? You finally sh- showed some some Brooklynese? What happened? 
No, I actually got promoted various times because they were using my popularity and they were using my on care, um, on air camera presence because people liked it. And when I read news, I attracted more audience and they wanted people to believe the news that they were hearing. So I was used as a tool for them. So I was actually getting um, a very good paycheck. I was living with my parents still at the time and I was just, you know, doing my thing. But the thing is, I was getting making good money, but I had to spend it the Islamic way. You know, I couldn't go skiing. A girl really, my status should not go skiing, especially if a boyfriend is involved. God forbid, you know, skiing is an expensive sport and you're supposed to be humble like the people, you know, you can't. So I got, eventually I got terminated because it's a long story, but they had a spy follow me around and, you know, they uh, found out like, we're not religious really at home. And your inside life has to really equal your out the way, the persona that you show on camera, you have to be Islamic. You have to pray. Like you have to be one of them. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to draw a line between my professional and personal, but they wanted the whole box. Okay, well, then that wasn't going to work. So what made you return to America? I mean, I, I could, I mean, obviously, it seems like you started realizing you really didn't have the freedom. And maybe you now had the money since you now, you know, had this great job. What made you return to America? Well, when I got fired, I went to a little, uh, a little depression because I hated my parents. I hated this country. I was having problems at university. You know, I got accepted in Tehran University, which is like the Harvard of Iran. I studied very hard. Being the girl from America, you usually don't see girls from America getting accepted. It's usually the people, and it's such a competitive university. It's like, but I I did get accepted. And then I was having problems because they were telling me, you can't play the guitar on recess and you can't pluck your brows. And I kept getting suspended for no, you know, for no reason. And um, I was like, my education is kind of like on the rocks. I got terminated from a job. So what is there for a girl to do other than maybe stay home and really take that blood out of the stain or, you know, yeah, maybe do, I the, shouldn't do the knitting and the blood stain. Right. That's, <laughs> that's all you should want, Poppy. Right. A girl should not want more. And one day you will get married. And I definitely did not want to get married. And I, there were a lot of people that, you know, they were really into it. I was like, that is completely off the table. I do not want to get married. When my parents saw that I had slipped into that depression, they took me uh, to a therapist and she said, you know, she, uh, like she has severe cultural shock on every single level. She needs to like go back immediately or else. Uh, there were a couple of girls that had experienced this culture shock and they had committed suicide. So my dad got very worried and immediately we returned. Oh, so he came too? Yeah, we all returned. My dad was not going to let like my dad's like shotgun, shotgun dad. So it's, we got to go back together. <laughs> I love it. I love that he took that seriously though and brought you back. So let's talk about the documentary, Woman Life Freedom. It's amazing. And obviously the fact that you were a sports journalist before, right? You were privy to some things. I'm sure you saw some things. So what made you so passionate about this subject and put, making this documentary? You know, when the World Cup happened, uh, the, this past World Cup 2022 in Qatar, I was doing my own thing. And then when Woman Life Freedom erupted September 2022, and then the World Cup started towards like November, and I saw, you know, the the rock climber that 
you know, she was so courageous. She took off her hijab. You know, you know, it was a big protest for human rights, for women's rights around the world. And when they started attacking these athletes, I could not stand on the sidelines. And because I was hired as a sport journalist, I knew a lot of them. So I started reconnecting with the ones that I could, and they were all in exile, you know, former Olympic uh, Olympiads and uh, a lot of former football players um, that had been in the World Cup as well. And I, um, you know, I kind of wanted to say that what these guys tolerate in order to progress as an athlete, it did very well. And in fact, it got picked up for a film festival just a couple of days ago. It's my first 20 minute short doc because, you know, I was always a journalist. So I've now kind of stepped into filmmaking a little. And I think I've taken my investigative journalist skills into this docu- socially impactful docs. And, um, you know, I think I'm the voice of these guys. And it's so funny because one of them said in the interviews, who thought that when you walked in, you couldn't even speak Farsi? And we were all thinking, they were all saying, why is she like from America to Why is she here? And maybe you're supposed to be our voice now, fast forward 20 years later when this is happening. That's amazing. So what was your experience doing that? Did you feel like, when you were kind of interviewing these guys, was it kind of what you expected or was it like worse than you expected? I mean, these, these, these athletes go through, first of all, the rigor of being an athlete, right? Just the, what, what it really takes to be able to perform at that level. And then on top of that, they're being abused and threatened. And like, what, 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 what was that experience? Like, as you're talking to these athletes, was it kind of um, make it even more real when you're hearing the actual stories? It was even worse because I knew that these guys went through a lot physically to get to the Olympics and to like get to the silver medal and stuff. But to know the back, to even know more, because I was not allowed to report a lot of the stuff in Iran. Uh, so I had to cover a lot of stuff as a reporter there. And now that I'm in the U.S., it's woman life freedom and I'm doing this doc. There was no stopping me. So the amount of information that they gave me that I incorporated in this documentary really kind of made me so angry and frustrated at times. But also, you know, as a journalist, I want to I want to hear it all out. Um there was stuff that I was unaware of. And on a physical level, you know, these guys have to train, train, train. And then on a mental level, and I told them on a mental level, you guys have to train not only to stay positive, like, you know, the coach does in the NBA, blah, blah, blah. But you have to kind of develop this um, fire guard or firewall, so to say, that one of them was so ridiculous. He told me that I was supposed to walk like the prophet in the track and field competitions. Like, who thinks of that stuff? And I said, do you know how the prophet used to walk? I mean, all due respect, we respect the prophet, but why does an athlete have to imitate the walking of like a prophet in a track and field competition? Yeah. What is, I mean. No, it's crazy making. It's so insane. It's ridiculous on so many levels. And, um, or one of them had gone into a church. It was Christmas time. He went into the Duomo in Italy and they had taken a picture of him and they had accused him, are you trying to become Christian? You're just there for the competitions. And he's like, I just went to check it out. It was Christmas. And they actually, at the airport, they handcuffed him and they took him into a room. And now he's actually competing under the Olympic refugee because he's so good. 
Yeah. But you know, the, these guys escaped through the, with donkeys over the mountains to Macedonia. Like this is a nor like we we cherish Michael, we cherish Michael Phelps. You know, we we really like our athletes here, you know. Yeah. And these athletes go through really, you know, the seven layers of hell or what what is Dante's whatever yeah. layers of hell Dante has, they go through. Yeah, totally. No, it's crazy. No, that's insane. So tell me why you called it women life freedom. I love that you gave that little explanation in the beginning. Yeah, it's called well, it was in parallel to the uh, women life freedom protest. But also a lot of the athletes that I interview, they're female. So a lot of the female athletes, they got beat up pretty bad because like, I don't know, their scarf went back. Uh, while they were competing, I called it woman life freedom athlete abuse because it's really about these females. And because the woman life freedom protest began because of the death of Massa Amini, which was a female, it's really um, female rights and human rights. Yeah, it was really, I love that. And I love that it's become a big movement. And do you think right now we're in a particularly kind of a tipping point time in Iran? For sure. I mean, without a doubt, because the journalists that reported on her death are in solitary confinement right now. They never thought that news like that would 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 cause ripples in the whole world to the point that I left my career to do this documentary because it's so timely to the point that we're calling, you know, there's the Massa Act in Congress to the point that we're working with, you know, senators and in the House of Representatives to call out this country for the human rights violations that they do. It's not just surface level. It's so corrupt. And um, so, yes, absolutely. In answer to your question, I think this will cause some kind of reform, maybe not a regime change, so to say, but some kind of reform. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Tell me about what you're working on now, because I know now that the documentary bug has bitten you, there's no way you're just going to do one and not do more. So what's what's happening with you now? What are you working on? Yeah. So right now we're doing a feature documentary for Woman Life Freedom, um, and it basically uh, focuses on uh, the news station because I was that news anchor. So it's um, it zooms in on the internal news status and how I was treated, how everybody was treated. It's exposing it from the inside. It's a big project. It's much bigger than the 20-minute piece that I did. We're, we're diligently working on it. There's a lot of work because we're bringing what Iran calls their constitution. We're diving into everything. Uh, we have a lot of sources that are in hiding, that are going on record for this documentary. They don't talk to anyone. And I was an 18-year-old girl, so they know me from back in the day that I used to work with them. So it's really high level. And I think this will be the Aaron Brockovich of the movement. And so just exposing like the news industry for what it really is? Yeah. And it's not just what we see in, in exposing like Spotlight, the movie that we had in the U.S. Of course, it's in the newsroom, but it's it's so deep and it's so corrupt and you know, in America, a lot of people say, oh, like the news here is corrupt too. But no, this is another level of corruption. It's not like, oh, if I don't like Fox, I'll watch ABC. And if I don't like ABC, I'll watch Fox. Or, you know, if I don't like this, you have a choice. In Iran, there's no choice. So that choice is robbed from you and you are completely controlled. So we go into the depths of all of that. 
Oh, that's so juicy. I cannot wait to see this. Okay. So maybe you'll come back and you'll tell us all about it when it comes up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, let's get on to the speed round, Poppy. Okay. Let's Are you go. Ready? Okay. I am ready. Fill in, fill in the blank. I am learning that. I have to go with the flow more. Hmm. Tell me more about that. Like instead of thinking that I have to, like this is done A, B, and C, maybe I should let it go because maybe it's done C, B, and A. Like it's not what I think it should be done. Maybe because I'm doing it. Let the universe, let the forces that need become, it will, it will happen. So let let go of the control and let it flow. Yeah. So co-creating with the universe, which is what I like to call it. Exactly. Um, when I feel lost, I, I meditate immediately. I meditate and I go into nature and I make sure that if I can to take off my shoes. And it's like that scene in pretty woman where Julia Roberts takes off her shoes in the grass. I have to like feel the ground. I have to be under the sun. I have to be in between greens or by the ocean because there's no reason to feel lost. It's only my fear that causes me to feel lost and have doubts. Well said. Well said. I am a woman who every day strives for trying to serve. You know, I'm 42 right now. I've lived a great life, but I really want to contribute. So it's, you know, finding that gratitude to use everything that I've learned. And I'm learning now because I'm a work in progress uh, to serve. I love that. I am proud of the fact that I. That I'm persistent you know, that I don't give up because what I'm doing right now, it's not easy. And the stuff that I have been through was not easy. So I think everything has taught me to be consistent and persistent and never lose that humor part of life. You know, everything is supposed to have a humor and there's a reason why I'm doing this. And I haven't given up with all the, you know, bringing me down at such a young age and you know, telling me, you know, I remember when I got fired, she told me, why don't you go to Mecca? And when you fortify your beliefs, maybe you'll have a job waiting for you. And at the time I said, you know what, whenever I go to Mecca, I'll buy another ticket and you could join me on the plane. We'll have a great time. <laughs> and it, But I'm just saying that I didn't, I came home, I cried. That's okay. I could purge, but I didn't lose the momentum. I kept going forward. I love that. I always say, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself and be try try to be real to yourself and to others with kindness, with love, with gratitude. You know, things will move forward always. I think it, it, it kind of circles back to that co-creating thing. Absolutely. And I think since women are geniuses at beating themselves up, <laughs> uh, we don't need anybody to hold us accountable because guess what? We already hold ourselves to an unrealistic standard already. So you might as well show yourself a little love. Pour some love on it. For sure. Um, it's, it should be a syrup. Yes. Self-love syrup. Pour the syrup of love on yourself. <laughs> um, one more. I'm really excited about. Seeing what this new chapter brings. How, the, how like literally seeing how I could make this new chapter unfold with the who, what, where, when, how, all these questions. Yeah. I love that. Well, you have been a great guest. Thank you, Poppy, for coming on for a second of time. Course. Even for everyone else, it's the first. 
But thank you for coming a second time. I'll, I'll, I'll take you for the third date. If this gets lost at any point in your files, just, just send me a text. It's all good, Liz. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I'm really looking forward to more Women Life Freedom and all the things you're doing. How can people kind of stay in touch with you or where can they visit to, and where can they see the documentary? Should I, can I put a link in the, uh, in the bio? Absolutely. Um, you know, my website is poppyfarsijani.com and through my website, I mean, everything's there, but you could also put the link. I mean, the documentary is complimentary. It's on YouTube. It's 20 minutes long. If anybody wants to check it out, it's a great source of information. There are some educational institutes that are licensing it to put it in their gender studies curriculum. So I'm super proud that it's being in the hands of this either sports because it focuses on the athletes or either gender studies because it is a woman issue, especially women athletes. So that's something that I'm very proud of. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on that. And thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.